Dave Max Cork History Matters, brought to you by Red FM. Jared Sheehy, how's it going? How are you? I'm good, and yourself? Not so bad. Uh, are you Jer? Are you Jerry? Or, or are you the full Jared? It, it depends. Whatever you like. Everything. <laughs> Whatever you like, yeah. Uh, variations. Very good. I might end up calling you Jer. I don't know. It just feels. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Jared band. Yeah, yeah. Um, your are Baltimore's where you sail out of it. Is that are you a Baltimore man? Yeah, I'm Baltimore born and bred. Yeah, that's where we're based out of. But uh, we work anywhere from Spain to Norway, depending on the time of the year. So we're actually just on our way to Norway at the moment. The the high seas yeah. uh, is is your second home. It's nearly my full-time home. <laughs> um, I will be chatting with Bernie and doing shade soon. To um, she wrote a, a, a little bit of a local history on the the pirates of Baltimore, um, the O'Driscolls to begin yeah. with, uh, and then later um, a Muslim convert from the Netherlands who sailed into Baltimore when it was a planted village uh, and ripped out half the people and brought it back to to the slave markets of North Africa. When I heard that story yeah. years ago, it just blew my little mind. Yeah, yeah, it's a, it's it's a it's a long running story, right? And you've Algiers Bar and Baltimore you now after and everything has some quite uh, nice memorabilia and stuff in there too, and different bits. There's been a good few um, books and different things written on it too, so it's it's quite fascinating, really. Uh, yeah, uh, and and uh, and there's all sorts of conspiracies as to the hows and the whys, and and in terms of why Baltimore got targeted, and it's it. Well, I'll get that story from Bernie. That's not why I'm chatting to you today. Um, but I think what's yeah. interesting about it is, is that it was a, a, a village leased to planters and it was quite industrious. And seemingly after the, the pirate raid, it, it, it may have led to the, to the kind of the, I'm sure there might've been some sort of settlement there, but people went up the Illin River or, or is it the Island River, the Illin River? Yeah, people, people moved up the Island River for, uh, for shelter and better, um, I suppose, better protection really, I suppose. The, and, the, settled, the and, and settled Skibbereen. Skibbereen, yeah, yeah, yeah. That's, that's, that's how that happened. And, and Skibbereen, I think, is Osquelga for a little, a place for little boats or a, or a little place for boats or something like that. Something like that, I think, yeah. Um, yeah. So, right, I, you know, you, well, there have been people on the hunt for you for a long time. Let's get down into the heart of the story. Um, Sail we may, go we must, a local saying, uh, the fishermen in round your neck of the woods, specifically Baltimore or generally West Cork fishermen? Uh, I've actually only ever heard it in Baltimore, but I, I don't know how far it, it reaches. Uh, I just predictably was my father and uh, another guy I worked with when I was younger, um, John DeDriscoll, he used, um, I was working with him a lot when I was younger, and that was a saying that he, they, they used to use. But John Joe actually started out his fishing career with my father and he was 16, so I think that's probably where he got it was from my father as well. So, um yeah, I don't know how 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 far a reach it has, but it, it's definitely uh, well known in Baltimore anyway. You um, are a fisherman all your life. Did you did you leave? Did you do the leaving and jump straight in the boats? Were you already on them? Yeah, I, I did my leaving. My mother made sure of that. But uh, yeah, no, I ever since I could get on board a boat, I've been on boat summer holidays, Easter, Halloween, anytime really. You know, once it's kind of in you, it's in you, and you just want to be in the water, really. You know. And it is in the family. You're your old man, and does it go back further generations? Uh, my my grandfather would have been a fishmonger and would have been involved with the fishing, and um, um, all my family are involved with it as well. My uh, brother and my mother are also involved in the business, and 
my sister and my other brother, they are, take a, a big interest in it as well, you know. They're not directly involved, but have a, a big interest in it. And that that um, industry I mentioned in Baltimore, which I think Oscuelga was doing the shade, the, the, the fort of the jewel, uh, which is that castle yeah. that, that you see there when you come in the old O'Driscoll Castle uh, that you come into there, uh, uh, down into Baltimore just before the harbour there. And um, Pilchard, I think, might have been the fish, but certainly there was a curing industry there. Uh, and it was it was a, it was a yeah. booming place at the time that the pirates came and, and flaked the people away. Yeah, it was. It was, a, it was you're right. It was actually Pilchards were, were the big things at the time, uh, way back in I think the 1800s or something. In, but uh, it was quite a busy place, yeah. But um, it's it's a uh, it's we like to think it's still a, a hub for fishing, anyway. You know. Oh, it is. And what do you fish, or is it, does it vary depending what 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 you're allowed fish? It, it varies the Indian quota and what, what we avail. So um, at the moment we're fishing herring and mackerel, um, and uh, another species called horse mackerel. The summer months, then we fish tuna down in the Bay of Biscay for a couple months of the year as well. So. We head down there normally around the start of July to get the weather. It's a uh, they're migratory fish, so they, they start off uh, down off the Spanish coast and they migrate up to um, the Irish coast. But unfortunately, the Irish coast isn't big enough for us to um, keep fishing up along our own coast. Normally, by the time uh, the quota is caught, we're finished off the Spanish coast, so it's a pity. But you get better weather, you get better prices, so um. That's where we have to go down there. But it's, gotcha. it's, it's good. Yeah, it's good too. We don't mind it. You know, you have a nice, you have the nice weather, and it's spot. That's the main thing. Well, there's plenty of Spanish coming into Irish waters too, so no harm that there's a bit of a return visit. And you know what? Actually, back in the day, like I, something else I read, because I, you know, it, you know, based on what I've already said to you, it's probably no surprise that I, I like my history. You know, I like I like the stories. Actually, yeah. it's not the history. I like stories. <laughs> and um, you know, the Battle of Kinsale. And that whole time, um, uh, you know, Hugh O'Neill and 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 the Battle of Kinsale was it was a key moment in Irish history. Um, but seemingly, there's a story that like a lot of people down down West Corkway around that time would have spoke Irish and Spanish because they would have done so much trading with Spanish fishermen. They would have, so there's there's a there's a huge connection between the Southwest and the North of Spain. There is, and I, I think it was quite um, uh, a good language that they were able to use with other countries too, as well. Mm. So an international so, uh, language. Even, yeah, I think even trading with the English as well back then that uh, Spanish was kind of used a bit as well and stuff from what I what I've read and what I've heard. So um, and had things there, worked there's out different. Been, there's been quite a few ties with um, with the Spanish people since the Battle can say a lot of uh, people are of Spanish descent and stuff around our area too. Or when you go away back and dive into it, like so. Um, yeah, it's it's nice to to go back down to the Spanish coast and and for once. Maybe we'd be off them coast, off their coast instead of them here, you know. Yeah. Um, I spent some time in Galicia. I did a little bit of the Camino with my mom some years ago. We did the bit from, from Santiago out to Cabo Finisterre, uh, which is the end of the earth yeah. is what Finisterre means, end of the land. It's out in the west. The sun sets in the ocean ahead of you. And that was the that was ultimately before the Santiago Cathedral. That was the pilgrimage was to out to to make your offering to, you know, the. The, from the known world to the yeah. unknown world, and I'd say you know a lot about the unknown world because you're out there all the time. But um, but that part of the world it looks very like Ireland. Like it's it's in, it's incredible for anyone that doesn't know the northwest of Galicia literally looks like Ireland, and it's got a Celtic thing. There's mm. fellas walking around the streets with bagpipes, and you're just like, where am I? <laughs> so um, that's where that's where we actually fish. We fish along the northern coast and in, in nearly in the Basque country all the time. 
mm. and um, there's quite a quite a connection between the Basque and the Irish as well. So um, mm. we get a pretty good reception there. Yes, no, first I two don't... times we went there, they were they were a little bit um, a little bit worried of us, but uh, we've been going there now for about eight years, eight nine years. I was actually the first uh, captain to or skipper to take a, an Irish boat in there with tuna. Hmm. So um, nice people one. thought that uh, we wouldn't get a good reception, but no, we we we've been going there now for eight years and things have worked out well for us. So. Nice one. Use use a little bit of. Oh, actually, it depends because like Bilbao, they don't speak that much Basque. San Sebastian, they speak a lot of Basque. But anyway, Agur and a scary Caskel are my two uh, go-to words in Basque. Uh, but they, if you go on, yeah. It's, it's, it's the one thing uh, when we're actually there, if you go to a bar, you go to shoppers and then you say Escargasco, it's, they really appreciate it yeah. and they recognise it straight away. Like yeah. you, you're making the effort, you know? Yeah, so. and I think Agur is hello and Escargasco, I think is thanks. Um, Thank um, you, yeah. 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 Um, yeah. You're en route to Norway, a five-day trip to get there. You're, 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 you're on a passage through the Hebrides. Um, you know, to you, it's a normal working day. To me, it sounds yeah. in, in a way kind of romantic or you know sort of a bit mind-blowing like there's fellas like yeah. you i suppose all over who do this and like similarly to the andy weatherall story that we'll get to now like he similarly was in a cab with you down to skib 2008 for cork by southwest i was i was there the year later um for the water boys and uh, you were looking for a yeah. ticket into it and said will you go up and collect this lad off the off the plane <laughs> and he's a, an internationally yeah. renowned dj and clearly a cool head who sadly has passed and um, he, you wanted to chat with him about DJing and traveling the world and the, all the glitz and the glamour. And he was like, boring, mate. I want to hear about your life. Your life sounds fascinating. Yeah, that, that's, that's pretty much it was. And that's what I always say to people as well, that, you know, it was a very simple conversation. It was just chatting about life and what I was doing. And uh, as I said in the thing, I just think he was fascinated that you were so fearless and that you had such a draw for but you know you kind of need to have it to succeed in this job you either love it or you hate it and if you mm. if you don't love it mm. you're not going to survive in it i mean i always say to people you know obviously it's good to be making money in that but the day you actually go to sea just for the money is the day you're not a fisherman anymore mm. you know it's, it's kind of something that has to be entwined in you and, and built into you so mm. you know it's 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 a it's a mad story really even to be sitting here talking to you about it mm. is just mm. mind-blowing really you know well and we so, haven't even really revealed but, uh, it to people i'm hoping that some of the people watching this already kind of know the story and we're getting we're we're, we're taking a circuitous route um perhaps not the direct well and you know depending yeah. on tides and, and channels and the like you probably have to take a circuitous route from time to time to where you're headed as well um so i don't mind this and and the zoom gives a lot us of <laughs> Zoom gives us the room to do it. Um, but sorry, similarly to him, like for me too, I'm kind of like, you know, so you were telling him stories about being out in Force Nine Gales. And I think, um, and again, to link to the tattoo that we mentioned and we gave your version, or sorry, not your version, you have a big tattoo in the top of your chest. Uh, I've seen it yeah. on a documentary about this um, DJ, and Andy Weatherall, who sadly passed away. Um, that's about the tattoos that he got on his arms. And he got them after your chat. And he, he, he either slightly got them wrong or he liked it better the way he did it. I think he, he might have phrased it a little better. Maybe <laughs> suited his, uh, his lyrics for his song or something. But <laughs> yeah, I mean, you know, it's, it's just even like last night, um, we left in the storm now again last night because we, yesterday morning, we needed to make this passage to, the, to get to the Inner Hebrides to make the inside passage before the weather broke again. So we have kind of about 24 hours of break and dinner passage, and then we're, we're back out into it again, into 
bad weather for another couple of days till we get there. But wow. you kind of it's it's what we do a lot is you you make passages in bad weather to be on the fishing grounds for for good yeah. weather and. Yes. and you know, I, I was explaining to him and I've explained to people as well. A lot of the time we're fishing maybe 24, 48 hours off the, the coast. And sometimes the storm is only blowing through for 24 hours. So it's not worth your while to steam all the way back to shore. Yes. Steam all the way back out. So yes. a lot of the time you find yourself just dodging out in weather and stuff. And there's a, a place west of Ireland that a lot of us fish the Parkland Bank. And they spend a lot of their time just sitting there waiting for good weather to, to, to come. And, and you know, it's it's not just me. It's it's a it's a widespread thing. And mm. and uh, yes, no, no. I mean, yes, the, I suppose you're speaking yeah, on behalf of fishermen, them. or maybe not on behalf of them, but your story is you know has resonance for anyone that's out in the sea making their living. Yeah, and and, and like one time when you go fishing, you went out and you fished, and you didn't worry about it. But now you've caught the restrictions, and you have the cost of fuel going up. And it's all about economics now, not as much as mm. fishing. Like you have to. Mm try and make the most of it and be in the right places at the right time and it's it's, it's not always easy but and like there's a lot of there's a lot of there. negative talk about what's happening to the seas and fish stocks and and overfishing and does that worry you uh, at all like what's your what's your take on the environmental uh, side to things i mean and probably your take is longer than we can cover here but you know what's what's the your, the top line of your take yeah. let's say you know like uh, I think like a lot of that stuff that they're talking about are people that aren't on the ground and people that aren't really getting involved and they're taking things from stuff like sea spiracy, which is total madness, instead of actually maybe, you know, it would be good to get more people involved and show people that things are healthy and things are in a good place. And I'd like to consider myself as a new and up and coming generation and that we're responsible for what we do and that mm. it's our future that we're looking after. So I think, you know, that is coming to that a lot of people in my generation know more about what needs to be done and, mm. and are responsible and it'd be nice to be getting recognition for that too rather yes. than hearing the bad stories all yes. the time you know? well although they mightn't be directed necessarily at the likes of yourself like you know there's there's those super trawlers that come in do, do they do anybody any favors when they hoover up the amount they hoover up no i don't think that there's anyone has any anything too much good to say about that but mm. you know no and it's, it's not always directed at us but, but uh, mm. That's that's where the problem. Sorry, I, I kind of meant like, or do you do you worry about like your ability to continue in this industry by virtue of the you know what what certainly the narrative it would suggest that there's a lot of fish stocks that are in danger you know and that there's a, a level of overfishing that could cause collapse in in certain stocks and the like. I I can't see it in any of the stocks that we're fishing anyway. No, I think that that things are healthy and and I think that we're moving forward and okay. I suppose it's like this. I, I've been doing it for 15 years full time and I know nothing else. So mm. I'm going to be here till the end anyway, I think. Yes. Well, no, no. I was just kind of interested if you were sort of worried. I'm like, yeah, stuff that I see has me up. But I, I'm not getting that sense from you, which I think is a good sign. No, no. Good. No. And like the, the biggest problem for us is, and we're seeing as fishermen, is we have the richest grounds in Europe. We have the richest grounds off our water. And the Irish fleet has the least amount of access to them. Mm. It's madness. It's that, and that's the problem. It's it's not that the fish aren't there, mm. or it's not. It's it's the problem is that Irish fishermen actually have mm. least amount of caught in their own waters. And so that's and, the frustrating and, thing. And the, and the story about that seems to be that during our EC uh, accession uh, negotiations, there was a trade off done to secure a better deal for the farmers. The the fishermen got shafted. Yeah, maybe that maybe that's maybe that's too simplistic. But, but, 
did, but that is a simplistic version of it, Chad. But I suppose there was a lot of other aspects in it too. But as such, that's the, the simplistic version of it, really. Like, yeah. Okay. Listen, we didn't, we're not talking about that necessarily, but I suppose just, you know, someone that makes their life out at sea and, 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 you know, I, and here's the thing too like, clearly there's a danger at times, no, no question. But I presume, like, like there's a lot of trust in, in the boats. The boats are able to take the weather, are they? And then, of course, there's, you, you know, you have to helm them. Um, I mean, what you know? So, like, you're out in Force Nines, or you you stay out, you 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 know, you 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 steam through the rough weather to get to the grounds in the good weather. Like, uh, I mean, you, you know. Also, I, I I've been lucky that my my family have been in, in a long time, and I've been lucky that I've I've always had good boats under me, and and I've been in a fortunate situation that way. But mm. in general, the Irish the Irish fleet has come on a lot in the last twenty years. We we had. We had two or three rounds of um, of a scheme by the government to build new vessels, and now we're looking at our second or third round of decommissioning to take them away from us again. So it's it's been a wow. it's been a roller coaster twenty years because twenty years ago we were building new vessels and modernising the fleet, and now the Irish government they're looking to um, to decommission them and take them off us because they don't have the quota to support them. Wow. So it's it's madness, but. I suppose we're lucky that, that we do have a modern fleet and that, you know, the boats are quite good around the coast and, and people are looking at things. But it is a it is a massive trust issue. I mean, I'm actually pair fishing with another boat and at the moment now there's there's 12 Irish guys left Donegal yesterday morning and we're heading for Norway for for um, for the next two or three weeks fishing. So there is a lot of trust issues and, and you know, it's good that you have guys that, that put, your, put their trust in you and... and mm but to trust in other people like so. Mm -hmm. But, uh, but yeah, yeah. Okay. Thank you for that. Uh, Cause it's, you know, it's something I think about and I, I, you know, if I think like, what might it be like if you're out, but, but obviously the, the boats are able to manage it. You know, you, you gotta, you gotta handle them right. Um, you gotta know what you're doing, but they, they uh, bob in the water. Yeah. <laughs> yeah it, it, it's what we call dodging. You just get your boat head to wind and you just nice and slowly just keep her into it and, Hope everything keeps going all right, but no, we're, we're lucky that, that we do have good boats. But mm. I've had friends of mine come out in the summer, um, just for, for spins and stuff, and uh, lovely flat cam weather. And they're going, This is madness. <laughs> and I'm saying, This is this is summer weather, you can't get any better, really. You know, yeah. I took the so, the, uh, the Dune and R ferry, maybe Dune and R2, uh, over to Cape Clear with uh, I know Niamh, Niamh, yeah. Niamh Driscoll is a, a friend of mine, she's a lovely yeah. girl, and um. It was it was August and we stayed in a campsite over and it was it was beautiful. I would recommend Cape Clear to or Ilan Clare to, to anybody uh, as a holiday. What, a, what and Roaring Water Bay just generally. I mean, it's just gorgeous. What is it, Carberry in the, of the Thousand Isles or something? But yeah, um, Thousand Isles. I mean, that, that whole place is just so unexplored by people. It's it's amazing that people don't latch onto that and get on it. I mean, as you said, Ilan Clare there is just beautiful. We actually have a small boat and during the summer. That's where we hit at the weekends, mm. take a spin out and, and you know, it's, it's lovely. Mm. It was August though, right? And there was still, there was whatever happened. It wasn't like a wild day at all, but there was rollers coming in, in my view, rollers. I mean, you, I don't know, you know, obviously you, you, uh, you, you, you no doubt have a different uh, description for them. It certainly wasn't flat cam though. I'll tell you that everybody in the boat got <laughs> sick uh, or anybody that went downstairs on the boat got sick. I stayed up at the top, but I kind of was trying to trying to do the can I can I you know can I keep the the standing as the as the as the pitch and toss of the waves come at you. But like I was looking at them and they were rolling towards us. Now 
they weren't like anything. You were out in a force nine. But for me, land landlubber, land legs, uh, I was kind of like, oh, Jesus, I wasn't yeah. thinking it was going to be like this in August, you know. Um, but uh, so I can only imagine. But I do sometimes wonder what what it must be like to be to be out there in 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 the wild ones. And uh, look, fair play to you. But look, Andy Weatherall, the DJ that you were ferrying from Cork Airport down to Skibbereen to play that Cork by Southwest gig, two thousand and eight. He too was kind of eager to hear the inside track. And I think the story that you told him was about your old man. What's that one? Yeah, I I'd just been on the boat. I hadn't been on the boat for very long, uh, maybe about a year or so. I don't think it was even a year. And um, we left Kitty Beggs in, in a in a bad storm, and um, when we were a couple of hours out in port, uh, we were doing a job down in the boat, and um, my father was coming down because an alarm had gone off in in, in the boat, and uh, he actually fell down two flights of stairs, and uh, crushed his ankle. So um, it just kind of left me to bring the boat back in. So that's kind of uh, that's the story that I told him that stuck with him. You know, uh, he just thought it was mad to think that I was eighteen or nineteen at the time that um, you would have you'd be in a situation like that, that you'd actually have to step up uh, and take a boat back in and get things sorted. And, and that's I where you I'd been to... on the boat. Yeah, I, I'd been on the boat for years, on and off in bits and pieces. So I, like, I knew what I was doing. And I, I, you know, I suppose I just, just did it. I didn't think any more of it, but he just thought it was mad to think, um, to think that- uh, That stuff like that, that happens. <laughs> While he's yeah, being ferried yeah. around to and booked into the best hotels and, you know, given his yeah. vodka or given whatever it is, he's and, and off he goes into a little. Well, you know, he, you know, it, it was an interesting job he did, too. Um, but but that's when you use yeah. the classic phrase that stuck with him. Yeah, he, he kind of said to me, and is there just ever mornings that you just oh, yeah. get up and just think, I, I can't be asked to do this or I just think. That's where I just said, uh, she may, but go, she must. So, uh, kind of just, kind of just went from there. And when did you get the tattoo of that? I had it a couple of years previous when I was in Queenstown or New Zealand. I got it in it when I was about 19, and I was about 21 at the time when this happened. So, 2021. And what's so I had the kind it about of a year? Um, the ship looks like the sort of thing you'd see in 1492 or you know, the ones across the Atlantic, yeah, sort of. I, it's just a tall ship. Yeah. I don't have any real significance. It's just no, no, no. I just, just yeah. even the style of it. Sorry for someone as, uh, as yeah, uh, yeah. <laughs> uh, not, not yeah, it's, it's, without it's, an affinity to the sea like, like you. I was just even like, yeah. is that what that is? Um, and and you've got the words yeah. underneath. So, um, uh, fail she may go she mu- go she must or go we go on again. Sorry, you say it again. Fail she may, but go she must. And he got these masks. Actually, let's look at it because we can do an old. Uh, we can do an old screen share where we can see the, uh, well, that's the documentary. We'll get to that in a minute. What happened? There's the piece. So there you go. There is, there's the piece that Ed Power wrote recently in the Irish Examiner. The second anniversary of the music, le- music legend's death has prompted two documentaries on the intriguing tale of a fateful drive from Cork Airport. Fail we may, sail we must. That's Andrew Weatherall. That's you with the big fish. Good on you. And yeah, thank you, by yeah. the way, very much for, for, for doing this call with me. Um, Paul McDermott uh, is a man who's made many, many music documentaries. A lot of them are Cork, uh, I suppose he's a Cork man, that might explain it. Uh, he is the head of media and arts at Rathmines College, so he's done a radio documentary about it. Uh, and then there's this, which I'll just, let's just play just a tiny little bit of it uh, uh, and you feature in this at the end. But let's just get a little bit about what it says about Andy Weatherall.
when I first started DJing, I didn't think, oh yes, I'm definitely tapping into some sort of Gnostic ceremony here. Over the years, when you kind of analyse what you do, you're in a usually square or rectangular room, there's smoke and there's coloured light. But to me, it began to dawn on me that there is a little bit more to it than that. There are religious ceremonies going back thousands and thousands of years that use smoke, coloured lights and music. It is that basic human need for transcendence. That's the documentary for people to see. Sail We Must, a sea story of Andrew Weatherall and an Irish fisherman. That is you, Jared Sheehy. That's the piece Ed Power wrote in, in the paper. And um, this is us having that chat about it. So he loved the story. He went off and he got the tats. He did a song on one of his albums with that title. Uh, people around the world, I think, like, is there is there various people did artworks based on it and the like? Uh, it's, it's, it's all over the side of buildings and so the amount of people that have it tattooed and stuff now is, is crazy, you know. <laughs> it's 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 become a massive mantra. And Jesus, yeah. even when I was in I was in Dublin at the launch uh, Wednesday night of the documentary, and it was just mad people coming up and saying, "Do you realise how much those words have meant to people wow. and stuff?" And I'm, you know, uh, and it was just a very simple simple thing. And you know, I suppose. It, it's the kind of way we live our life and it's the way yeah. most fishermen live their lives. Yeah. You know, I, I think there's something, do and... I think there's something very Irish in it, Jared, as well as just, I mean, you know, we'll, you know, we won't take it away from, from the fishermen and the attitude and the resilience that you guys bring with you yeah. out to the seas, but there feels something quite yeah. Irish about that. Like, you know, like, oh, sure, look, we'll, we'll, we'll get on with what happens and, and make the best of it. I, I think it came at a really good time as well that people, needed kind of a feel good vibe story and people needed maybe a little bit of a pickup to say, yeah. you know, this was this was this time last year in the height of coronavirus. And mm. I think people just needed something to hold on to maybe and, and, and mm. grab it. And mm. maybe that's why it, it went so far. But so did the did the kind of the I, I was sort of presuming that it was from when he got the tattoos that it sort of started to filter into popular culture. But was it more after he died? Uh, I think it was filtering into in for a good while, but then it, it really blew up. Uh, I think after he died, and uh, like uh, I picked him up and I took him to the gig and I dropped him off, and, and I never really knew anything about him afterwards much, and I never knew that any of this happened until uh, was it well, you drove him, or you seventeen dro- to you drove him back again, didn't you? Do you know on the, on which way which way up or down was it when you told him that one? On the way down was when I told him the story, and, and he had, he was at, just on the way back again. He was just intrigued about fishing yeah. and just wanted yeah. to know yeah. more and more. And I, it kind of seemed like he'd been thinking about it all night. And he must have <laughs> that he he popped he popped his head back in the door to me and said, "What was that saying again?" Just before he left. Like, so I I kind of thought, you know, that was it. E- even last year, um, did you, you know, go to his gig by the way? That. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I went to his gig and I spent the night in the boot in the DJ booth with him. Oh, as well. nice like, one! Yeah, so, Brilliant. Uh, I, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, well, but, let me um, let me let me get that one in. Year. Well, actually, just just before we get to Kean, um, do you? Because I, I can find it if you don't. But we we'll, we should give a, a mention to the director of the of the film. You were at his launch there Wednesday in the Sugar Club, I think, in Dublin, was it? Yeah, it was the it was uh, Tint Man and Grizzly. Um, they 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 put it together there, and uh, Keen was the one that um that actually stacked the whole story off in Ireland and yes got everything found. So, but, so um, what's what's his show on 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 radio radio Nigel Tucker? Is it it's, it's not re raw? Is oh um, on, 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 on tape tool, on tape tool? Yeah, or some, 
it's a, it's an experimental kind of well not even experimental but it's an electronic uh, music show that he late at night on Radio Nigel to, to it's really unusual music he is really passionate and knowledgeable and he's a lovely lovely guy I don't know him personally yeah. but my friend Stevie G knows him uh, Galway DJ he brought Andy I... Weatherall over there you'll see that in the documentary but he after Andy Weatherall passed uh, was kind of put out a tweet basically yeah he put out a tweet and then um people started to pick up on it. The examiner published the story and that's kind of actually where one of my friends saw it in and he got in touch with Keen and, and the whole thing went from there. But I, I got a phone call that day. I was just actually down the pier fixing it and I thought this is just, you know, a bit of crack. I didn't realise it was so big until I went home and started Googling all about his mantra and people with tattoos and buildings and kind of went from there. Even even I thought after that, you know, this wasn't really probably that big of a deal. And then just as the year went on, more and more stuff has been happening. More and more people have been getting in contact. And it's, it's just mind-blowing, really, you know? Yeah, it's mad. It's a chance encounter, but it's something lodged with him and he liked it. And uh, and the tats are great, in fairness. Um, yeah, yeah. Better wouldn't... than my own, actually. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, and uh, and is there anything else stands out from from having met him or anything? I mean, he just he sounds like obviously he was the sound head. I was just uh, well, from what I remember, he just was kind of this real cool guy and mm. just talking away to him on the way down, and and he'd ask you questions, and then he'd kind of almost kind of drift back from it, and then he'd come at you again with another question, mm. like that he was, you know, obviously he was taking it all in, and and that's mm. the way he kind of seemed, but mm. you know, that's one thing I said in in the in other things that would have been. But nice to see him again, you know. Mm. He, uh, I should have mentioned it at the outset of this for those who don't know, because there'll be a lot of people around in in, in these times who'll be like, "Who?" Um, but Andy Weatherall was a very big player, or he just had a big influence in that early '90s dance explosion, really, where he uh, he was DJing a club. He says it in the documentary himself. But I remember, like, Primal Screams album "Loaded" is one of my all-time favorite albums. Actually, don't yeah. give out. Don't what the hell's that's not even the name of it. <laughs> After me calling it my favorite album of all time, is it called Loaded? Primal Scream. No, Loaded's one of the big songs on it. Whatever that Primal Scream album is, anyway, is one of my favorite albums of all time. And it's where, you know, they were kind of a straightforward sort of rock and roll band with maybe kind of a bluesy feel. And he remixed one of their songs and it just changed the whole band's uh, trajectory. Um, and that album was just. Come Together, huge. wasn't it? Yeah. Well, Come Together was one of the songs. Yeah. Loaded was one of the songs. Yeah. What was the name? Whatever the name of the album was. And um, it's got distinctive imagery. Maybe we'll go back to the screen share. But uh, he also worked with New Order. And I think he worked with so Primal Scream, New Order, ha Happy Mondays, and the like of that. But then when it all kind of like. And, and he's someone who. When it all went into this superstar DJ business, actually, the, the piece in the examiner says that too. In fairness, Ed Power, I'm I'm, I'm lifting from that. But it, in reflecting on it, like you know, he wasn't over in Ibiza doing all the big. I'm the I'm the cool celebrity guy. He he kept he ke kind of kept it real and kept it underground, and 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 kept experimental. Yeah. Um. And you'd have to give him kudos and credit for that. But it's why maybe he's not as widely known or broadly known because he didn't hit that sort of popular having the hits. And I don't think he wanted to. No, and, and that's what everyone was saying in Dublin last night when I was, you know, as I said, I, I still don't know a lot about him, but I was kind of learning more all the time. And mm. Everyone just said that's the way he wanted it. He just wanted to make his music and, and he was more interested in making music than being a superstar DJ, I suppose. But uh, they're kind of saying that they're hoping that this is a bit of a revival and people are, a lot of people seem to be um, picking up on it and, 
and listen to his music again. So that's, mm. that's good anyway. Mm. Well, let's just be, just before we finish, and thank you again very much for your time. Let's take a tiny little more of that documentary, which we would recommend people check out. We'll go back a bit to, well, there you go. Look at that. It's, it's even, it's so well made as well, in fairness to the guys. There we go. There's Sale We Must. Um, let's see. That's early uh, Andy Weatherall there. That's his buddy talking about him. Where do we get into? Oh, this might be it here. This might be a bit of the come together one. after hearing Screamadelica, I would have seen his name crop up on remixes of Happy Mondays and Santa Etienne. Screamadelica, that's the name of the album. <laughs> Those sorts of albums brought kind of indie kids into the dance thing, you know, and uh, and it all yeah. kind of it all kind of rolled on from there. Um, geez, if we only could go back to, to those times. Uh, Jared Chi, it's a brilliant story. It, and what makes it even better is that it's a Cork story. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, uh, let's face it, that's what makes it even better. And uh, listen, I, I wish yeah. you well. Um, I hope there'll be no failing and there'll be just sailing uh, all the way to the fishing stocks. And, 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 and come here. Yeah. I mean, listen, let's just wrap up a little bit with that then maybe, because obviously the likes of yourself are hurting with uh, the, the inflation in, in, in diesel prices, basically. Is it, is it almost, is it almost getting itch, itchy bum time, squeaky bum time as Mick McCarthy once famously said. Yeah, it is. I mean, like, you know, before if you're out for a day or two and things were quite, you know that you'd be able to pick it up and that before the trip would end that you'd get there. But now after a couple of days, if things are quite sure, you're starting to question your own abilities maybe and say, am I doing the right things and am I in the right places? You know, it is becoming a major factor now. And as I said, it's not fishing anymore. Almost it's, it's, it's almost economics now, you know? So uh, well, look, we wish- it's, it's, we're, we're doing okay at the same time, but it, you know, it's just becoming a little bit harder. I mean, and the big thing is young people aren't getting involved in that anymore. And it's just such a pity because it's, it's almost like we're a dying breed, you know? Mm. Well, Jared Sheehy, I am very grateful for your time. And I have to say to you, you know what, if you were, if you were to, uh, I must remember this now if anyone ever asked me, but if you were to say to me, where would be one of your favorite spots to be in the world? In the sunshine, on the, I don't know if the, the, down in Baltimore Village, if that little area in front of the bars has a name. Um, uh, the town, the, the town in Baltimore. Is, is it the square? Is that what people call it? But I've, <laughs> yeah. I've been down there a number yeah. of times, but I mean, sitting out there with a crowd of people around and Jesus, even crowds of people around chatting, like we're, we're, thankfully we seem to be getting back to that, but sitting there with the sunshine and looking over Roaring Water Bay with shirking ahead of you, you can't see Cape Clear, it's further over, but I mean, there's, there's amongst um, no better places to be in the world. And uh, someday I hope oh. to see you down there and I'll buy you a pint to thank you for this. No matter, hopefully. I look forward to it. Nice one. Jerchi. Yeah. Fail we no may, problem. but sail we must. Slan lat. You've been listening to a Red FM podcast. For more extra content, go to redextra.ie.